Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Ocean State Sidelines. My name is Brendan Gear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times One Soccer Call. Once again, joined by my co-pilot Will Gagan, sports editor of the Independent. And first off, Will, Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you, Brendan. Happy New Year to everyone who is listening in with us. Our first podcast of the decade. <laughs> yeah, the new decade, the new year, whatever you want to call it, wherever you, if you subscribe to the theory that the new year, the new decade doesn't really begin until the end of 2020. God bless you. <laughs> but we're going to jump into a little college basketball talk here. And Will and I were both at games on Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday, uh, Friday around noontime. And we'll start with the game that you were at, Will, URI Brown. And calling me shocked, I was listening to the game, uh, kind of volleying between the two stations, um, Brown and URI, trying to get a gauge of everything that was going on. First year on Burble, signal's not always the best. But, <laughs> um, land. but you know, as surprising as I was, I'm sure you were there to see, you know, Brown just dominate the game from the opening tap. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was a case of you or I did not come to play its best game. They did not execute great. Their mental approach wasn't, right th- wasn't there. And Brown really just took full advantage and played a tremendous game. Uh, Brown was tough on defense. They out-rebounded URI. Uh, 45-36, which, you know, you know, URI should probably not be getting out-rebounded by Brown. Um, and, and Brown just shot the lights out. That's something that they haven't really done this year. They haven't been a great three-point shooting team. Um, so maybe it was a, a case of URI not, you know, not game-planning for that as much. But URI's defense seemed to be scrambling around a lot, overplaying things. It left a lot of guys open, and Brown hit them. Uh, mostly Zach Hunsaker hit six of eight from three-point range on his way to 22 points, and the Bears in general hit 13 of 28 from deep, uh, and that made the difference. Yeah, and no. So it's a big win for Brown, and for you or I, it's a, it's a bad loss, first first one of the year. No, it's a bad loss, and you know one thing about this URI team, they really took care of business the games, against the games they should have won. They they lost the Gales, the up games to Maryland, to uh, West Virginia, and LSU, but this was a bad loss, no question about it. Uh, it's a, It was a road game, but... If you're URI, you need to win this game because all of a sudden you go into Athletic 10 play and maybe if you needed 12 wins before, maybe you got to get to 14 now. you got to kind of chase this one. Yeah, it, it hurts them, no doubt about it. Like you said, the, the narrative was that they had done everything they were supposed to do. They had not you know, seized any of their big opportunities. They didn't have a huge win, but they hadn't taken a bad loss yet. And if you hold serve like that... Going into a, a you know pretty good year for the A10, you can make some moves. You can make some things happen. Uh, now that's not the case. Still, there's still plenty of time. There's still opportunity. Uh, they still have a chance. You know, people people get pretty caught up in bracketology coming out every week and all this stuff. It really you really have to wait until March to draw any conclusions. You can look at things along the way, but for a team that's that's solid, that's in the mix, they can stay in the mix. Um, so it's not not a death knell for URI, but it's one that hurts for sure. And you mentioned the Atlantic 10, the opportunities that wait. This is a better Atlantic 10 on paper than it was a year ago where it was only a two-bid league. And luckily, if URI did not beat VCU in the Atlantic 10 tournament, it probably only would have been a one-bid league. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a better league this year. You know, The possibility of getting to, who knows, maybe three, depending on how things play out, who gets big wins, uh, you know, if people can knock off Dayton, um, you know, in, in, in a road environment kind of thing, that helps that. If you or I were to do that, that helps them. Um, so there's there's opportunities there. Um, but, yeah, certainly uh, URI has some work to do. And, and they open up with Richmond, uh, open up 8-10 play with Richmond on Sunday. 
Richmond has been terrific, kind of one of the surprises of uh, of A10 play so far. I think they're 11 and three right now. They've already played an A10 game and blew out St. Joe's uh, last night. So they're they're they'll be coming to Kingston looking to make a big early impression uh, against URI. So the last time you and I talked, Will, we've had some uh, roster defections on this uh, Ram roster, most notably uh, Dana Tate. Uh, you wonder how co- head coach David Cox is going to be able to maybe circle the wagons because Dana Tate was a valuable piece off the bench for Rody, and they weren't very deep to begin with. And now all of a sudden you take someone away from the equation who was going to help out on the front court. You wonder where those minutes and those productions are going to come from. Right. I mean, they were, you know, it's looking like an eight-man rotation at this point. That, that They played eight guys last night. That's who they've got so far. Um, it looks like DJ Johnson will, will likely redshirt unless they really need him, unless you, you see an injury. Um, Antoine Walker's arrival and, and eligibility now, the Georgetown transfer, that helps a lot. I mean, he can play Tate's, Tate's minutes, and you can basically go back to the, the beginning of the year when they also had an eight, eight-man rotation. I think Walker has the potential to be you know, pretty strong player for URI, pretty big contributor. He's very athletic, good defender, uh, pretty tough inside. So that helps them a lot. Um, but yeah, you were, you know, before Dana Tate transferred, then you're looking at Walker coming in and providing more depth and having a nine-man rotation. Uh, but they, they will roll with eight for now and, and see what they can do. It is going to be a thin bench, and the, especially at the guard spots. You know, Fats Russell was in foul trouble last night, and Managed to stay in the game, but uh, that that's a concern going forward. And, and I just think legs too. I mean, these guys are going to be tired by the end of the year, um, but they'll be uh, you know they'll, they'll try to roll with what they have. So that's the story with the Rams and the Bears. We'll switch gears to uh, Bryant, which all opened up NEC play on Thursday with a 67-63 win over defending NEC regular season champ St. Francis PA. And you know, well, it was really a tale of two halves. Uh, Bryant ended the first half. They were down only six, 28-22. But when you notice a team that only scores 22 points, you know that they had were going to have struggles scoring the ball. Brown, I mean, Bryant only shot 32% from the field in the first half. Only 7% missed all but one of their 14 threes in the first half. And then all of a sudden, you flip the script. Second half, you shoot 57% from the field, 54% from three. And... You walk away with a victory. The one thing, that biggest takeaway, is that Jared Grasso, even though his team was struggling to shoot the ball, he didn't really, like, you know, discourage them and say, you know, don't take shots. We've got to kind of change our formula. Keep shooting, keep shooting. And that goes to a belief system where, okay, you might be in a bit of a rut. However, the law of averages should be able to say that we could get out of it, and Brian was able to do that. Yeah, and that, I mean, what you said about the second coming out stronger in the second half, that's that's a good sign for a, a team being a good team. Just being able to make some adjustments and, uh, you know, turn things around a little bit in that second 20 minutes after the halftime break. Um, so a strong sign there. I mean, things have been kind of brewing for, for Bryant lately. It seems like they've kind of found themselves. They're playing the way they want to play. They had that four-game win streak in December uh, and then played Maryland pretty tough. Um, and now starting starting NEC play with this win, you know who knows where St. Francis ends up. But like you said, the regular season champs last year, that's a big-time win for Brian. No, this is a big start for Brian in the terms of they have their first NEC game. Three, three of their first uh, NEC games at home. Mm. They have Fairleigh Dickinson on Saturday. Then the Mount St. Mary's comes to the Chase Athletics Center the following Saturday. This is almost a gift where you, if you want to get off on solid footing, the opportunity there is to do so. And... Bryant, they have a golden opportunity ahead of them. But just getting back to the St. Francis game, I thought the play of uh, 
Adam Grant went a long way in determining the outcome. He had struggled immensely. He only had two field goals in the first half, missed all of his three-pointers. All of a sudden, the second half, he hit all four. He hit four threes, but he also had six six assists. You know, he had a big one to uh, freshman Benson Lynn that led to a three pointer that put Bryant up nine. But uh, he is the engine of this team. How he goes, Bryant should go as well. Yeah, he's playing really well. Nineteen point one points per game at this point. You mentioned Benson Lynn, the freshman. He's provided a nice boost for them. He was a Manhattan commit out of St. Andrews. Uh, over in Barrington, um, it's ended up switching over to Bryant, a little closer to uh, to St. Andrews, and uh, he's he's playing great, 9.4 points per game and uh, eight starts for him as a freshman. So that's the uh, story with the Bryant Bulldogs. We'll now go to the Providence Friars, who a little bit a long time, not too long ago, looked dead <laughs> in the water. Yeah, it's uh, been quite the turnaround. Uh, right before Christmas, they play Texas. Looked pretty good, beating them by 20, actually 22 points. And then New Year's Eve against Georgetown, well, they were up 54 to 23 at the half, ended up winning 76 to 60. Granted, Georgetown was shorthanded. They didn't have uh, Matt McClung, their second leading scorer, and Georgetown has had some defections that have been well documented. But still, to open up Big East play with a convincing win like that, taking advantage of the situation, give credit to the Friars who. After the Florida game, when they got blown out at the Barclays Center, you wondered where this team really stood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what I was saying about it being a long season. It really is in college basketball, and they're young kids, and things can change quickly. Um, and PC, give them credit for putting it together. They really did look dead in the water. You know, struggled against URI for a lot of that game, and the Florida game, like you said, just, uh, just kind of bottomed out there. But to come back home, to beat a, a solid Texas team, uh, and then opening Big Big East play like the, the way they did is really impressive. Uh, curious what you what you think has been the biggest difference. What is what has allowed them to play so well these last two games? I think it comes down to one player, Luan Pipkins. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's delivered back to back solid games where he's not really hunting for a shot. Yes, he's taken a few heat checkers. I think you're going to have to live with those because mm-hmm. that's a, a spirit that's going to be tough to break. However, you know when you Played 29 minutes. You only turn the ball over twice. I think Ed Cooley will live with that. I think uh, you will live with, uh, you know, four out of seven field goals, two out of five for, uh, three points. But realizing, yes, I am a capable scorer, but when you're on a team yeah. with Alpha Diallo, David Duke, and then Nate Watson coming off the bench, there are guys that I can get going. And also, two A.J. Reeves. We'll get to him in a second. But, you know, if I can, you know, be the guy that maybe all of a sudden stretches a lead from, like, 10 to 13 with a back-breaking three, I think that's just as important. I think uh, as time has gone on, Pipkins has understood that because he really did bottom out, I thought, in that URI game. Yes. And yeah. he struggled it immensely. Really game. Yeah. That was a very rough game for him. But for him to really turn the page in Texas against Texas and Georgetown, that's a good sign as the Friars dive deeper into Big East play. And, I mean, I think it, it can be a hard thing to shake for a guy who's been on losing teams throughout his collegiate career. UMass hasn't been good, wasn't good when he was there. Uh, he had to carry them. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that can take some getting used to. It seems like he has settled in a little bit more. Um, David Duke, you know, he had a great game against Georgetown. Only 10 points, but 8 assists. Uh, that's a terrific performance. And uh, you mentioned A.J. Reeves. He uh, might be coming alive here. Yeah, it's uh, he had three three-pointers. And when PC really stretched their lead out to they got as high as 33 points with like 29 seconds to go in the first half. He had three three-pointers. You know, for, for most of the, you know, if you want to pick out a player who kind of struggled, who struggles kind of mirrored the Friars, you know, shaky non-conference play, it was A.J. Reeves, a player who is a very good shooter, 
very capable of uh, you know scoring in bunches. He just didn't have the touch there for most of the non-conference play. And then here it is. Biggie's play comes along. He hits three threes, and then three threes basically in a row, and PC is kind of rolling at the half here, and uh, everyone's kind of feeling good about themselves. Yeah, that's a, that's a big development for them. So PC back in action Saturday, uh, start of a two-game road swing for them. They're at DePaul and then at Marquette on Tuesday. I imagine they're probably staying out there, right? They are staying yeah. there, going out there, uh, and then going to bus from... Chicago to Milwaukee. It's a lovely Milwaukee, yes. It's a, it's a lovely uh, Midwest trip that I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to. Yes. <laughs> but, but you know, DePaul, just a note on them, that, you know, we mentioned uh, Richmond kind of being one of the surprises of the Atlantic 10. DePaul's yeah. got to be one of the bigger surprises, not just in Big East play, but in, you know, college basketball as a whole. You yeah, know, now, were, now your father's DePaul Blue, uh, Blue Demons. You no, know, they lost their Big East opener to uh, Seton Hall, but they were 12-1 and in non-conference play. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a, they've got a shot to uh, make a little noise in the Big East. Big big opportunity for your, uh, for PC and uh, you know, a chance for them to continue this, uh, this trend. So we'll uh, go to a little high school basketball now. And, uh, you know, Will and I have probably seen a number of games right now. We're very thankful that all the... Christmas tournaments and non-leaguers are behind us, and it's league play pretty much here on out for all of our local teams. Yeah, back to the grind a little bit. Um, you know, that Christmas tournament slate's always a little little funky. Uh, some teams are going out of state. Some teams are playing in tournaments where it's more just about games as opposed to winning. Um, but yeah, so as we you know we look at Division One, not a lot of league games have been played yet. Um, North Kingstown, the defending state champ, hasn't lost yet. Uh, but they've had some trouble uh, against some Division Two teams, some good Division Two teams, but still have had some trouble. Narragansett led in the second half when they played North Kingstown. East Greenwich led by 14, I believe, when they played North Kingstown. Um, so, so the Skippers are not not the juggernaut right now that they were last year at the end of last year. Um, but give them credit for for showing some fight um, to get through those games and get wins. I think that is a good sign for them. That's something that's part of their DNA at this point. It's that winning pedigree. Uh, but they, they certainly have some things to figure out. Clay Brochu is back, the MVP of the state uh, state finals, where he had 36 points. Wearing number 13, by the way. The yes, <laughs> yes, the jersey flag. Yes, he had forgotten his jersey for the state finals, switched to the spare jersey, and now is sticking with it when you score 36 points. That's what you do. Uh, Nick Sacchetti is also back, a strong guard for them. Uh, but they need some other guys to step up, and that's still, I think, a process for them, especially with in terms of the inside game, um, trying to replace Dylan Poirier. Uh, from last year so we'll see what happens with them they've got a big game uh, in a couple of weeks not not too long january 20th uh taking on hendrickin uh, and the hawks are off to a five and one start in terms of, of overall record i think league games they've, well, they've played two league games they blew out cranston east and east providence uh, but they've been pretty impressive sebastian thomas playing really well for hendrickin no, I saw East Providence last week. Uh, you know, they're a pretty solid squad uh, across the board. Josh Kaufman, you know, Richard Pina, um, Zachary Russell, three guys that kind of just stood out when I saw them in the uh, East Providence holiday tournament, the Mutter holiday tournament. We'll get to that in a second. I think they're a team that could be on the uh, watch list this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, just locally up in the Times Call area, you know, Woonsocket, Cumberland. Uh, they've already played each other twice, which <laughs> is amazing. Uh, they played a, a league game, which... Uh, Cumberland won on one sockets court, and then they play each other in the in the uh, holiday tournament at Cumberland High School, and Winsocket returned the favor by winning the consolation game. Well, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. You had two D one teams playing the consolation mm-hmm. game, while you had D three Lincoln taking on D two Tolman yeah, in the championship that. game. But um, 
Looks to be a, maybe a wide open field. I don't, I don't know if you're ready to go that far yet, but definitely one socket. You know, North Kingstown there at the cream of the crop and uh, East Providence, I would put them up there as well. Yeah, and Mount Pleasant, I've heard good things about them. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens as things develop. They play a lot of games in a short amount of time um, as we head into the meet of league play. I mean, in January, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. North Kingstown has ten games in January. Like, the, the bulk of the season is over in a flash. Um, playoffs start in late February. So we'll know pretty quickly as we uh, start recording more of these that uh, how things are going to shake out. As far as Division Two, uh, you know, I've heard Barrington... They're off to a strong start. You have East Greenwich, the defending champs. Uh, Cranston West, Narragansett, always in the mix. Westerly has been good. They won their uh, their tournament, always a good tournament down there. Uh, beat Stonington in a rivalry matchup. And, of course, uh, you have the Shea Raiders with uh, the state's top scorer. Well, just the week after, week before and the week after Christmas, you know, you mentioned uh, Shea. You know, I saw that Erickson Band score 49 points against Division One Woonsocket. And then he goes out to East Providence, and then he nets his 2,000th career point on yeah, a Friday amazing. night. I mean, well, just to put this in context, this is the beginning of his senior year. Yeah. He still had 17 league games to go. He, it's, it's incredible. incredible. It really is an incredible achievement. Just, I mean, not not something that you see very often. I mean, last time was... It was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, yep. Interscholastically, kid, we have to yep. preface that because right. we've had yes. a few... Yes, prep you know, school. Tyler yeah. Kolig recently scored uh, 2,000 points mm-hmm. in his career, but he was a fifth-year kid for St. George's. And uh, Sean Reddy, well, he was a great scorer for uh, Wheeler School. He did, but they were in a prep school league okay. when he did it. Okay. Uh, just two players that stood out. But incredible feat, incredible accomplishment, and... Uh, We'll see what Shea can do off of that. But uh, tippy-tap to uh, Erickson Bands. Not many defenses have been able to slow him down. He's got the uh, long-range game. He's got the uh, the pull-up game. And they also can get to the rack. You know, those yep. are the three real tools of the trade when it turns to scoring. He's got them all. Worth the price of admission. If you want to uh, see some high school hoops this year, you could do worse than, than heading over to Shea or catching them in a road game. Uh, it's a little girls, girls hoops. Um, South Kingstown has been really impressive. Um, they blew away the field in the Westerly Community Credit Union tournament. I think those those teams were a little overmatched, um, but still, South Kingstown, they won the final 66-18 uh, over Stonington from Connecticut, and it, it could have been worse than that. <laughs> um, um, so South Kingstown, really, they're hitting on all cylinders early on here. A lot of weapons, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed. Uh, state runner-up last year, and they they won a challenge for the title this year. Um, we'll see what happens. They they pl- don't play LaSalle, who's the reigning champ, for quite a while. Um, so the, the, they may be the top two teams, but you also got St. Ray's in the mix. Yep, St. Ray's, once again, they returned their bigs. Uh, they'll be a solid team, but uh, just piggybacking off South Kingstown. Correct me if I'm wrong, will a lot of those girls play soccer? It is correct. That is correct, yep. It is, uh, they've, they've got the pedigree, yes. for sure. And I think that's kind of an important thing when you yeah. talk about mm-hmm. high school teams, you know, especially what, switching from one season to another. You know, when you bring that winning culture with you, you don't accept losing. Yep, especially because they, this group of kids has, has lost to LaSalle in playoff games in basketball and soccer multiple times. They got over that hump in soccer. They beat LaSalle in semifinals. Um, they'll be trying to do the same thing in basketball, and they're certainly they can draw some confidence from that. Absolutely. Uh, we'll close this week's uh, podcast with a couple of shout-outs, and mine goes to Jalen Smith of Shea. Uh, 
He signed his national letter of intent to join the URI football team right before Christmas. Uh, kudos to him. Kudos to URI for keeping, you know, one of the top talents in football over the last couple of years in state. And, you know, maybe the best news is, well, they're keeping him as a running back. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah, see players yep. converting positions. I think right. they, they did that with uh, Frederick Malay over at Mount Pleasant. They're going to ask him to maybe be more of a cornerback, but... Uh, they like Jalen Smith as a running back, so uh, kudos to him to uh, you know not only stay home but also go to college playing the position that made him so, had a, where he enjoyed so much success at the high school level. Yep, congrats to him. That'll be fun to watch him out there. Um, my shout out, I'll uh, give a little uh, little props to the South Kingstown high school hockey team. Uh, won three games all of last year. They have already matched that win total this year. They're looking like a contender in Division Two, and they've got a couple of big games this weekend. They take on Cranston West tonight and a matchup uh, against Lincoln, uh, who's potentially one of the favorites in D2 on Saturday at Boss Arena. So uh, some good early season hockey. Uh, I'll be there Saturday night. If you're looking for updates from that game, check out uh, my Twitter, at uh, Will. Yep, and I'm uh, BWMcGare03 on Twitter, so uh, I'll be over at Cumberland. Boys basketball tomorrow afternoon before heading up to Gillette Stadium for a pretty big football game. But uh, local first before whether we see what happens with Tom Brady. But uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week with a fresh episode with more stuff to, digre- to digest and dissect. All right. Thanks, everybody.